It's now time for the Rural News with Sally Murphy and Ōtetahi. Tēnā Sally. State-owned farming company Pamu has reported a loss. Kia ora Charlotte, yes, significant losses in property valuations, carbon credits as well as weak commodity prices has led to a $9 million loss for the year to June. That compares with last year's $59 million profit, which benefited from a number of one-time gains, including the sale of four farms. Pamu will not be paying a dividend, despite reporting a $33 million underlying profit. Chief Executive Mark Leslie says the business now faces a poor outlook for commodities prices, as well as costs associated with the Cyclone Gabriel recovery. Last year's revenue also fell more than 2%, reflecting weaker prices for livestock, down $20 million to $107 million. The profit from dairy also dipped $10 million to $120 million, but on the plus side, income from wool, forestry and other business activities rose by $3 million. To other news, a North Canterbury farmer says installing 200 hectares of solar panels on his farm would be a win-win. Renewable energy asset developer Far North Solar Farm is looking to install the panels on Tom Kidner's sheep, beef and arable farm near Waipara. The proposed solar farm would generate enough clean electricity to power up up to 30,000 homes. Tom Kidner says it shouldn't disrupt his farming operation too much. It's a long-term lease, which... You can still farm, do, do your, basically do your whole operation underneath, maybe 80% of the stock you were running. and It just gives us security. And, you know, the farm up in North Canterbury is very dry and, you know, we might even end up growing more grass underneath and we can still do our operation. It seems a bit of a win-win diversity-wise as well. Powering 29,000 homes and taking 13,500 cars off the road equivalent, yeah, it, it looks good on the story too, really, on what we do. A recent Massey University study found the areas between the rows of solar panels produced nearly 40% more grass than areas without periodic shading during the warmer months. Mr Kidner says it will also help diversify the farm's income. There's some good research out of Australia and Texas. I mean, it's not going to be as hot as that, but the Massey stuff's obviously a bit wetter environment up there, whereas North Canterbury, you know, it is just very, very dry. And um, with El Nino coming, yeah, we're just hoping to shore up our business as well as we can really and keep the farm and the family going forward because it's uh, you know it just can be a bit tough at the moment and, and in the past as well so we're just hoping that it might even promote grass growth just getting rid of those hot hot days baking down on the grass all day you just carry on doing what you're doing really keep farming and obviously there'll be panels in the way but we could still get a drill up in between them and you know, they're very reasonable to try and make um, the farming the people we're dealing with anyway far north are very reasonable to keep the farming system going as well as it can as well. Far North Solar Farmers contacting nearby neighbours about the project and is holding an open day on site late next month. It says the solar farm could be up and running within two years. High numbers of beef cattle being sent to the works in Australia continues to create competition for New Zealand beef in world markets. The eastern state's cattle kill has been high in recent months, denting global prices, but slaughter numbers were expected to drop this month. AgriHQ senior analyst Mel Crowd says that isn't happening. 
For the first three weeks of this month, those weekly slaughter rates have continued at July levels of between uh, 114 to 121,000 head. Now, a year ago, slaughter rates struggled to push above 100,000 head a week. That elevated throughput is expected to continue. We uh, hear Eastern State processes are reportedly booked up well into September, and I think drying conditions that are forecast over there will continue to to keep those numbers elevated. I guess, yeah, a lot of this production out of Australia is making its way into those export markets and in many cases it's competing directly with New Zealand beef exports as well. That's Mel Crow from AgriHQ. New Zealand beekeepers and bee experts say it's worth Australia trying to eradicate the destructive varroa mite. The tiny pest which feeds on a bee's body tissue is the leading cause of colony loss in New Zealand and around the world. Authorities across the Tasman have been trying to eradicate it since it was found in New South Wales back in June. But it's been spreading and has been found in orchards near the Victorian border. Professor of Ecology and Entomology at Victoria University, Phil Lester, says varroa is the biggest issue facing apiculture. So in Australia, it's worth giving eradication a good go, despite that being really difficult. A single individual mite um, can reproduce quite well, quite happily. So a female will invade a a bee cell, uh, developing bee larvae. It'll lay an egg. That egg hatches, um, first egg hatches into a male. That male then mates with his sister mites that are are reproduced in that one cell. So it, it takes one varroa mite to start a population, to start a colony that can spread across Australia. So that they've got the challenge of eradicating all mites, every single last mite to, to achieve an eradication for the country. And it's a, it's a very hard goal, but I think one they have to try and, and um, do. But it'll be very, very challenging. We asked Gisborne-based commercial beekeeper Barry Foster, who first found varroa in his hives back in 2003, what advice he would give to his counterparts across the Tasman. Develop communities of beekeepers. Don't isolate yourselves. Learn as much as you can of the best of science of how to control this pest, preferably treat all at the same time so you can really eradicate, well, eliminate it to a low level in an area. That's the way you'll best get through this pretty big economic hit that they're going to be experiencing. Gisborne beekeeper Barry Foster. Farmers in Canterbury are getting a good report card for intensive winter grazing so far this year. New rules to better control the environmental impacts of the practice came into force this winter, with many regional councils closely monitoring winter grazing with flyovers and on-farm visits. Canterbury Regional Council spokesperson Sarah Heddle says they haven't come across any major issues. We're generally pretty satisfied that Canterbury farmers are doing a good job in adopting these practices for winter grazing. Some people are having to make quite major changes to meet meet the rules or um, some have decided that actually they don't want to make those changes, in which case they'll go through the, the consenting pathway. So a lot of people are doing things around, you know, increasing their setback distances. So, you know, some of them, the regulation talks about five metres now, but we are seeing where people are excluding further than that. There's been a lot more 
portable troughs and a lot more movement of feeders going on and, and people really thinking about what happens with stock going through gateways and, and multiple exits for those farmers that are still raising at the moment. They'll be looking to get through to the end of that, hopefully fairly soon for them. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be pretty sick of shifting feed breaks, I'd say, by now. And Sarah Heddle says many farmers are already planning where they'll carry out winter grazing for next year. And just lastly, British agri-tech company Mutrel and a London ice cream shop have partnered to offer what they're calling the world's first ice cream made with climate-friendly milk. The ice cream is made with milk from cows which are fed Mutrel's methane-reducing feed. Based on a dairy farm in Lancashire, the Holstein Frisians and Jersey cows have been fed the additive since 2018, achieving methane emission reductions of 30%. The ice cream, available in Ruby Violet's King's Cross store, is a plain dairy ice cream typically used as a base to complement other flavours. And that's the rural news for today. Koira te purungo o te tai whenua. Kia pai te ra. Kia ora, Sally. Thank you very much for that rural update.